If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? There's seating near the front. <laughs> the, the concert begins at five. It'll be Mozart, Elvis, and uh, one of your choosing. Or, uh, or just a nice, if heaven exists, to know that there's laughter. That would be a great thing. Oh, yeah. Just to hear God goes, two Jews walk into a bar. <laughs> Travel back in time to the 80s. Reliving the music. You can't have the Pretender's first album. That's mine. I bought it. You did not. The catchphrases. Did you have a brain tumor for breakfast? And the wannabes. Sometimes I see you dance around the house in my underwear. Doesn't make me Madonna. Never will. Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Can you say stuck in the 80s? Seize the day. Gather ye rosebuds while ye may. Why does the writer use these lines? Because we are food for worms, lads. Because believe it or not, each and every one of us in this room is one day going to stop breathing, turn cold, and die. I'd like you to step forward over here and peruse some of the faces from the past. You've walked past them many times. I don't think you've really looked at them. They're not that different from you, are they? Same haircuts, full of hormones, just like you. Invincible, just like you feel. The world is their oyster. They believe they're destined for great things, just like many of you. Their eyes are full of hope, just like you. Did they wait until it was too late to make from their lives even one iota of what they were capable? Because you see, gentlemen, these boys are now fertilizing daffodils. If you listen real close, you can hear them whisper their legacy to you. Hey, everyone. It's Steve Spears, and this is Stuck in the 80s. And obviously, it's a sad time here for me and for Brad and for all 80s fans listening around the world. As we say goodbye to a comedy genius and, more importantly, just a great human being, Robin Williams. With me as always, because like me, we both keep black suits in our closets for moments like this. He's my own Mork from Mork. Say hi to Brad in L.A. Nanu, nanu, Steve. Uh, I'm assuming that you and I, we both grew up at the same time. Was was? Uh, yeah, I think I'm a month older than you are. So Mork and Mindy was our introduction. Oh, yeah. Well, I remember him on Happy Days. I remember the character first appearing on Happy Days. Right. Yeah. But I mean, but Mork is how we all met Yes. Robin Williams. Um, so as we record this podcast, it's been two days since Robin Williams was found dead in his home north of San Francisco. Uh, by now, we we know that the likely cause was suicide, and the reason behind that was his long battle with depression. Uh, let me ask you this, Brad. What was your first reaction when you heard? I, there's no way. I was shocked. Absolutely shocked. A friend of mine texted me, you know, did you know that Robin Williams died today? And I just immediately, you know, to the internet. Did a quick search and I called you. Right, and I'm so I'm sitting here. It's seven thirty p.m. Eastern time on Monday, 
And the phone rings, and I look down, and the caller ID says, Brad in L.A., which is actually how you show up on my caller ID. <laughs> it's true. And I'm like, oh, this can't be good. Because, I mean, I, I, don't, we don't, I don't know if we tell the listeners, but you call me a lot, like, at night yeah. when you drive home. On, on drive time, yeah. But drive time is normally 8.30. Yeah, 8.30 to 9.30. 7.30 phone calls are not a good thing. And... um so I kind of, and then immediately when I answered the phone, I could tell from your tone of voice that something was wrong. And I said, "Who who was it?" And you're like Robin Williams. And I'm like, "Oh, oh, yeah. not so good, not good." So immediately I, I wrote something for the blog, and I just started thinking about all these great moments, you know, that got us through growing up. You know, from from Mork and Mindy to the world according to Garp. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Remember me, Mark from Mark? You once called me the nutso from outer space. I think I must be dreaming of something like that, you know? Uh, in the 90s, you know, Hook and Fisher King and just, wow. Yeah. Well, I've told my Fisher King story on an earlier podcast. I, yeah. I love that movie. Yeah, it's great. Um, would you say that Robin Williams was the funniest guy that we will ever see perform comedy? He certainly brought the most energy to it. I'm not sure. I, I mean... Top top five, top three. Uh, I might put Steve Martin up there ahead of him. Wow! But I didn't I, see I, that one coming. That's yeah, I know. That's a that's a you know that's kind of a personal choice thing. Absolutely, one of the funniest guys of that decade or any other decade he was in. Once you have a son, all your little sperms go. I'm unemployed. <laughs> so hard they're standing in line going, "Yes, uh, what did you formally do?" Well, I came and went. No, seriously. Did you ever get a chance to see him perform live? Uh, no, I have not. I did, and it's a, it's an interesting story, and I'll never get another chance to tell it. I presume. Um, I went to the University of Florida, as as we all know by now. Before I went to Florida, the in 1982, Robin Williams performed at in Gainesville at something we called Gator Growl. Now, Gator Growl was a student um, organized pep rally that okay. was gigantic. It it. You it was held in the football stadium. Okay, so there's wow. seventy thousand people. <laughs> I was gonna say that's yeah. So seventy thousand people are there, and it always included um, a big name comedian. It okay. included uh, marching band performances. It included um, you got my interest now. Fireworks. Uh, sometimes it had a band, and then there were student skits. So that okay. that was the the basic shtick. So in 1982, and it, and for some reason. Because it was so big and there was so much money behind it, they were always able to get A-list comedians. Okay. So 1982 rolls around and Robin Williams plays it. Man. And he goes into a routine all about his penis. <laughs> <laughs> and calling it Mr. Happy. I've, I've heard that routine. So he does his Mr. Happy routine. The alumni that were there were not happy about Mr. Happy. The students were howling. I mean, they just sure. I mean, they loved it. I mean, it was always a little body. But Would you say they were eating up Mr. Happy? Yeah, they were they were gobbling up what Robin Williams was giving them. Um in any case, um the alumni were so pissed off that they <laughs> they basically forced Gator Grout to change after that. So that to make it more family friendly or more, you know, cross generational. So the following yeah. year Bob Hope. <laughs> I think that might be a slight overcorrection. Yeah, and then and then the following year after that, Bill Cosby, which is probably right where you want to be. 
Yeah. And then for my first year at the University of Florida, for my very first Gator Growl, they bring up the Smothers Brothers. Oh, my gosh. You've got to be kidding no. me. No. Oh, my. Who's programming this thing? The kids. But, I mean, the, but the alumni at this yeah. point had stepped the in. The alumni and, is pulling the strings. Yeah, now the they've stepped here. in and they're pulling the strings. So, anyway, um, this Gator Growl since the 80s has has become so less important yeah. that it's no longer being held in the football stadium. Now, this year, for the very first time ever, I just read this the other day, it's being held in a band shell. Wow. People will just sit on the field on blankets and watch it. And you can point all of this back to Robin Williams. <laughs> Is this good or bad? I don't know. We're it's good. Are we celebrating so, this? I know. Well, so, so a couple years later, I'm still in Florida, and um, Robin Williams came back, and this time he played a show – that you just had you had to buy regular tickets for. So hey, if you don't want to yeah. see Mr. Happy, don't buy a ticket. Yeah. And um, I think by this time everyone knows what his shtick is. So this time he comes back and he plays a show at the basketball arena, which you know is like this a regular sized concert arena. You know, Still, 11, yeah. 11, 12, 13,000. Yeah. Sure. So now the the basketball arena at the University of Florida is covered with a gigantic white dome. Um. So. Uh, <laughs> Robin Williams jumps on stage, immediately goes right into his Mr. Happy routine, <laughs> like an amended version of it, you know, just basically basking in the fact that he he's yeah. infamous. And then, remember he de- me? and then he declares that all of us in the audience are sperm and that the giant white dome was, in fact, a gigantic diaphragm. Nice. So anyway, so I, I, that was the one time I saw him. And I, I remember I could not breathe at the end of that show. I was laughing so hard. So. That is the same uh, basketball arena where the infamous bags of rum story took place. Wow. Well, a lot going on there. That's a serious 80s nexus. Yeah. So anyway, I know the best idea here is to celebrate Robin's life with laughter instead of tears um, and definitely not stories about giant diaphragms. So uh, Brad and I have each picked out three of our favorite scenes from Robin Williams movies in the 80s. Let's get started. What's your first pick, Brad? Okay. My first pick is from 1988's The Adventures of Baron Munchausen. And I'm willing to bet a sizable amount of money that you haven't seen this. <laughs> I've seen pieces of it. Yeah, this is. Uh, I, I found out some things today. Just a quick background. Well, it's a uh, it's a Terry Gillum picture, so that tells you a lot right there. But it was made by Columbia at a time when there was a regime change in the management, and so the old projects were kind of getting short shrift. So it, it almost it got as small a release as they could manage. Uh, in 88 when it came out. And I, I saw it in the theater because I was excited about it. I'm like, hey, the guy that directed Brazil, you know, Time Bandits, I got to see this. And I really liked it. I saw it again years later on the on the TV on a, you know, rented the VHS tape. And it's terrible. It, it, <laughs> it, it, it needs the big screen because it's a big story. Uh, and I, I watched a little bit of it today looking for clips for this. And it's charming. It looks great. It's really, it's just fantastical. Um, and I think, you know, on a decent-sized HD set like all normals, well, like all humans have in their houses now, um, it might be worth a go. Uh, it's available on Netflix streaming. But Robin Williams' part in this is uh, he plays the King of the Moon. And the interesting thing about this character is the King of the Moon's head can separate from his body. And so he has this kind of... Uh, has a well a hate hate relationship the head has a does not like being attached to the body because the body <laughs> uh is interested 
than other things than say the head is. Let me play a clip here. Baron, let me explain it to you. Since you were last here, I, that is my head, that which is left of me, where the brilliant and important parts are located, is now ruling and governing the known universe. And that which I don't know, I create. (laughs) I just created spring. So that's kind of classic manic. Uh, you know, quick fire comedy from Robin Williams. It's a small part, but it's uh, a, a good one in a, in a movie that is just, you know, kind of classic Terry Gilliam. Yeah. Um, for my first pick, I'm going to go back to 1982 and I'm going to take The World According to Garp, where, um, and this is an interesting movie. When this came out, I remember going to see it and I was expecting Mork for Mork. Sure. <laughs> As everybody was. And what you got instead was a very dark and sometimes disturbing movie and sometimes funny movie about a character named T.S. Garp. Um, and then the T.S. stands for, do you remember? Um, totally sad. Uh, it technically stands for technical sergeant. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was T.S. Garp. T.S. Garp was his dad. So T.S. Garp, technical sergeant Garp. Um, but in the movie, yes, he says it stands for, it used to stand for terribly sexy. Now it stands for terribly sad. Here's my favorite scene. Uh, Garp becomes a, a writer, and he writes a story called The Magic Gloves, and he has to explain it to his mother. I'm not sure I understand it. Mom, it's very simple. He can do wonders when he's wearing his magic gloves. If his wife is sad, he just touches her with his gloves, and she's happy. If his children are crying, he just touches them, and they smile. But he can't feel them. He yearns to feel he can even hold off death with his magic gloves, but he can't feel life. So he takes off the gloves and he dies, but he finally feels life as he's flying into the arms of death. I like that. If that's what it means, I like it. Kind of dark. Yeah, yeah. But a great movie. And Yeah, it is. I haven't seen this in forever. It's never on. It's never on. It'll be interesting to see if it makes some... Some of the channels now, because you know, t- typically when somebody passes away, that yeah, some of the channels, yeah, there's some networks that will will do a little pre uh, reprogramming, and then suddenly we see some movies like this. What's the uh, second movie on your list? My second movie is uh, we're getting a little bit more into the mainstream here. My second movie is Good Morning Vietnam. Hey, this is not a test. This is rock and roll. Time to rock it from the Delta to the DMZ. Is that me or does that sound like an Elvis Presley movie? Viva Da Nang. Oh, Viva Da Nang. Hey, is this a little too early for being that loud? Hey, too late. It's 0600. What's the O stand for? Oh, my God, it's early. So this movie is basically Robin Williams jammed into a radio booth. Uh, And the clips from this are just fantastic. He's doing voices. It's rapid fire. He's just... It's Robin Williams minus the Mr. Happy routine uh, in Vietnam. How accurate, though? I mean, we all know it's based on a real character, Adrian Cronauer, who was a broadcaster in Vietnam. I I mean, obviously, it's more Robin Williams than it is Adrian Cronauer. Absolutely. Adrian Cronauer had written a treatment of that became Good Morning Vietnam as a a TV series when MASH was on and it didn't really go anywhere. And eventually uh, Robin Williams got attached to the project and the pretty much the whole thing got rewritten. The premise obviously stuck, but the story around it, I don't think that's what happened to Adrian when he right. got there. 
I, I, th- I think it would have been very interesting as a TV series. Yeah. I, well, I don't, I don't know that it would have been as smart. Um, you know, if you have to spread it out, you know, and, and remember in the, in the, well, when he pitched it in the late seventies, when MASH was in his heyday, this, sitcoms are still very much formula and often they are still today. Um, I don't know how this would have held up to, you know, oh, there's a big misunderstanding. <laughs> oh, we resolved it. Ha ha ha. Let's go have a beer. You know what it'd do right now? It'd make a great series on like uh, AMC or Showtime. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Now you could do some interesting things with it. Yeah. Um, my second movie was from 1984. For some reason, I'm I'm grasping to the early 80s. Yeah, you've uh, got the first half of the 80s, and I got the second <laughs> half of the 80s. I tend to do that. Um, in 1984, Robin Williams decided to learn how to speak Russian to star in this movie, Moscow and the Hudson. Independence Day. You know, as um, when in the course of human events becomes necessary to him, um, what is it? I forgot the rest. We hold these truths to be self-evident. That all men are, are created, created equal. equal. That they are endowed by their creators. With certain inalienable rights. These are... Life. Liberty. Happiness. Yeah, happiness. <laughs> happiness. Happiness. Brad, you haven't seen this movie, right? uh, Yeah, I'm going to have to admit that I have not seen this. I, I wonder how common that is. I mean, I wonder, I mean, it, you know, everyone saw Good Morning Vietnam and everybody saw Dead Poets, but probably no one has seen the, these two next two movies on my list. And Moscow on the Hudson, he plays a musician in a circus, Russian circus band that visits New York. And while he's in New York, he decides to defect. Oh, okay. And through the... Movie he has like he has like a Cuban lawyer and an Italian girlfriend and an African American best friend. So it's it's kind of like this it's this intentional uh, mixing pot of cultures and and colors and personalities. Yeah. So it's really making a ton of different statements. It's it's it is a comedy sort of. It's more of a dramedy. Okay and. It has some fun moments. I think it's worth watching. Would I? I don't know. Would I buy it on DVD? Well, we don't buy DVDs anymore, sadly. But I'd pay two dollars to rent it. Well, it is uh, not available to stream on Netflix right now. But Arr. but that doesn't mean you can't track it down someplace else. It's hard to find Robin Williams movies on Netflix. You can find Hook, right? Uh, I don't know. I have a copy of Hook. My kids, my whole family, and me included, love the movie Hook. I so think Hook is I have a copy there. of that. But beyond that, I don't think there's a whole lot that are on there. Interesting. So what's the third and final movie on your list? Well, gee, Steve, what could it be? Uh, the last movie on my list is Dead Poet Society. And I think this is his best uh, dramatic role of the 80s. Uh, and maybe that's kind of like saying, you know, cow's milk is the best kind of milk to put in your cereal. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it's I think we all this this is what came to mind when I heard he had passed. I wanted to see Dead Poet Society. Unfortunately, that night I didn't have a chance to sit down and try and watch it. I had too many other things going on, uh, which I'm sure that uh, the professor would tell me that I'm not living life properly if I'm not taking time to appreciate it. Uh, but uh, let's listen. To, let, I, here's a clip from that. This is um, this is kind of the crux of what his character is trying to teach these boys about. We don't read and write poetry because it's cute. 
we read and write poetry because we are members of the human race. And the human race is filled with passion. And medicine, law, business, engineering, these are noble pursuits and necessary to sustain life. But poetry, beauty, romance, love, these are what we stay alive for. To quote from Whitman, O me, O life, of the questions of these recurring, of the endless trains of the faithless, of cities filled with the foolish, what good amid these, O me, O life? Answer, that you are here, that life exists and identity, that the powerful play goes on and you may contribute a verse. The powerful play goes on and you may contribute a verse. What will your verse be? This he was nominated for an Academy Award for this. He did not for Best Actor. He did not should win. have won. He did not. I don't know who won that year. I don't care. It's, it, yeah. Either way, it's we'll a travesty. Just, we'll just give it to Robin Williams. Uh, but I don't know. When's the last time you saw this movie, Steve? Oh God! I mean, truth be told. 15 years maybe yeah i kind of wonder if it would have the same impact for me now as it did when i was what 21 22 when it came out i i i can tell you that when i saw it for the first time and and i've maybe seen it five or ten times uh i I cried my eyes out yeah i had a, a friend whose brother had committed suicide when he was a senior in high school and that kind of that brought it all in for me i was kind of a mess coming out of the theater from that one yeah I mean, it kind of ends on a on a high note, but man, uh, yeah. Uh, especially in, given the context of his own death, now this movie obviously yeah. this Picks really kind of yeah more portent. Um, I, I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to bring things back and lighten things up, even though to me this is a tearjerker as well. Um, in 1986, uh, Robin Williams did a movie with Kurt Russell that I'm, I'm getting goosebumps. <laughs> I love this movie that really nobody saw. And it was called Just the, You and Me. Just You and Me. And it's the story of a small town banker, played by Robin Williams, who is tortured um, and feels his life took a turn for the worse when he dropped what would have been the winning touchdown pass over, the, uh, high, over his high school rival team. And thankfully, he gets a chance at redemption. Where he gets to where the game between uh, the two teams is recreated, it comes down to the last play again, and he catches it, and we see this spoiler alert. <laughs> we see this great scene from the movie, The Best of Times. I did it. Nice catch. I was so lucky. No, no, you were due. I am a sobbing mess. I will watch this anytime it's on. When he goes up to his wife and says, I was so lucky. And she's like, no, you were due. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I I love this movie. I love this movie. And and I I think you're right. I think that you and I are the only people that saw this. Yeah. I mean, it's not a great movie, but it has great moments. And there's no moment that's better than that. Yeah. But it's this whole theme, too, of just... Well, the theme of redemption and, you know, the whole idea, this whole idea of this replaying this game revitalizes this town. Yeah. 
And just the whole idea that what they accomplished in high school, at least for Kurt Russell's character, had become mythical in proportions when, you know, and his life had gone the same direction as Robin Williams. It's, it's, there's a lot, there's a lot going on there. There's a lot of parallels in there between some of the themes you'll sometimes hear on Stuck in the 80s. You know, a couple of guys clinging to the past, you know, (laughs) maybe a little bit more than they should. Wait, am I the banker in this one? Uh, I'm sure you're the banker because if made, anybody threw the ball to me, I probably dropped it. So, so well, I definitely wasn't the quarterback. I'm I'm probably the guy who runs the Moose Lodge. So, but <laughs> I'll, I'll take it. And obviously, there's there's a million other great movies to talk about, and that are outside the '80s. You know, we've mentioned Fisher and King, Aladdin, Mrs. Doubtfire, oh, yeah. uh, The Birdcage, Goodwill Hunting, for which he earns his. Uh, Oscar nomination. And there is one great scene from Goodwill Hunting. And I, I'm sorry, it is going to be a tearjerker. This, to me, is my favorite scene from Goodwill Hunting. Hey, Will. I don't know a lot. You see this? Holy shit. This is not your fault. Look at me, son. It's not your fault. I know. It's not your fault. I know. No, no, you don't. It's not your fault. Hmm? I know. It's not your fault. All right. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. Fault. Don't f- with me, all right? Don't f- with me, Sean. Not you. It's not your fault. Okay, so maybe there's a few, just as many tears as there are laughs yeah. in this podcast. I'm sorry about that, but I'm not ready quite yet just to laugh about it. Um, it is too soon for that. Yes. Celebrities, on the other hand, have been really uh, gracious with their time and sharing some amazing stories. I've, I've read uh, so many on the internet over the last couple of days. Uh, back when Conan O'Brien was going through hell after losing his first late night gig, uh, Robin Williams bought him a bicycle – and had it delivered to his house. And the bicycle. I hope it was a big bicycle because Conan yeah. O'Brien's a big guy. It was a big green and bright orange bike with shamrocks all over it. <laughs> That's hilarious. And and Conan called him up and was like, "Did thank you." <laughs> and 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 Robin said something on the lines. Well, I know you like to ride bikes, and I, I hope you look really stupid on it. <laughs> So, um, Norm Macdonald from Saturday Night Live, he, in a in a weird kind of twist, he tweeted his story about Robin Williams. Yeah, I did see this. This is this is yeah. fantastic. So, <laughs> the story goes that Norm Macdonald was about to do his first ever stand up performance on Letterman, but he was kind of freaking out because he had to follow Robin Williams, and so Norm Macdonald's in his dressing room. 
uh, talking to a friend on the phone, uh, lamenting, just just panicking that he has to follow like you know the funniest man on, on the planet. <laughs> when uh, no, no pressure, no pressure. So Robin actually overhears Norm freaking out on the phone, comes into the dressing room and immediately starts acting like a Jewish tailor, measuring Norm for a suit that doesn't exist. <laughs> And then when the phone, the friend on the phone doesn't believe Norm, uh, Robin gets on the phone and pretends to take his Chinese food order. <laughs> and, and he eventually hangs up after explaining that they're out of Mushu pork. That's pretty funny. So that's good. And, and I know I, I know you shared a story with me yesterday that was pretty yeah, interesting. So I, I have a friend, and I just found out about this myself yesterday. I have a friend who has an adult daughter that I've never met who had leukemia when she was a child. And she was sick enough that the Make-A-Wish Foundation granted her a wish. And her wish was to meet Robin Williams. And they had lunch with him in L.A. Um, he you know, basically just was laser-focused on her. People were coming up to them in the restaurant wanting to talk to him. And he was polite to them, but he just you know, was engaged with this little girl. After lunch, took her to the Tonight Show set, introduced her to Jay Leno. And uh, just, you know, it was a, a really special day for her. And, uh, you know, just showed how much he was willing to, uh, you know, to focus on somebody else like that. Uh, you know, it's something that she obviously was, has, will always remember and, you know, will always kind of cherish. Wow, that's, that's really special. Yeah, it was. I mean, that's a pretty hard-hitting story. Yeah, yeah. Um, we asked some of our friends in uh, 80s Nation to share their thoughts about Robin Williams on our Facebook page. And here's some of the responses that we got. Um, our, our frequent guest co-host, Just Drew, emailed in and said, quote, We lost a lot of funny in this past year, just when it seems we need it most. We will never see another like Robin Williams, and I guess we should take solace in knowing we got to see him shine bright. <clears throat> okay, Gail, uh, Gail Weisswasser writes, I think what I appreciated most about Robin Williams was his incredible mind, the way he would jump from voice to voice, topic to topic so quickly. He was a genius, and it showed through in his comic roles and in his stand-up routine. He, he was so lightning fast. You know, just unbelievable. Oh, yeah, yeah. When, do you, one of my favorite moments is when he does – he did uh, Inside the Actor's Studio. Yeah. Which is where the clip in the beginning of the show is about. And it, it, it's a two-hour episode. And he must have drank ten Red Bulls to get through it. <laughs> so just crazy. Uh, Jim Wendling wrote, one of my favorite birthday gifts when I was a child was a pair of rainbow suspenders like the ones Mork wore. I was shocked and stunned, not just by his death, but the manner in which it came. It's a cliche, of course, to say that depression and suicide are serious and horrible things which can affect anyone. But that doesn't make it any less true. The eight-year-old me wearing Mork suspenders is crushed by his death, while the adult me is saddened that an unhappy man who brought joy to so many could never bring it to himself. And our old friend Chase Squires, who did a couple of amazing episodes on Stuck in the 80s, and I, I wish we could, we could lure him back soon. Uh, he wrote a nice uh, piece. Uh, Chase writes, quote, I think he's special to us as 80s kids because we grew up with his career. Happy Days was one of my favorite sitcoms as a kid, still is, and I remember his first appearance in his battle with the Fonz. Then on Mork and Mindy, he was the funniest thing a 13-year-old me had ever seen. In high school, I watched him become a bona fide movie star in Garp and Moscow on the Hudson. In college, I took young ladies to movie dates for Club Paradise and Good Morning Vietnam. And around the time of college graduation, I saw him as the wisest teacher ever in Dead Poets Society. 
Moving through middle age, I saw him ahead of me, forging the way into what used to be called the retirement years. And that's what scares me about his passing. Even for someone that successful, it never gets easier. How will I navigate those years if someone that successful could not? That's why his death is so personal. I'm hearing him whisper, like he did as that teacher, John Keating, but this time the message is frightening. Wow. Yeah. Chase, man, you haven't lost a bit, man. <laughs> the message is frightening. It is frightening, um, but we appreciate it nonetheless. And I know we said we'd celebrate Robin's life with laughter, but we knew that there was going to be a couple of tears too. So um, I, I guess the best thing to do for all of us out there is go give your kids a big hug. Uh, put on a Robin Williams movie, whatever movie's age appropriate, you know, Night at the Museum, Patch Adams, maybe Good Morning Vietnam if they're old enough for that. And just enjoy life. It's It's what Robin would have wanted – so until next time, we'll remain here with love and hope in our hearts, stuck in the 80s. Mark Colton Olsen, come in, you blimpship. Here I am, Mark. What did you do this week? Oh, sir, I played the Wizard of Oz. I gave the Tin Man a heart. Is that another of your weird analogies? Oh, no, sir, just a movie metaphor. See, what actually happened, sir, is there was this robot. He was nothing but a bunch of nuts and bolts, and I helped him become a person. You built a monster? No, sir. I made a friend. If you made a friend, why are you so sad? Well, sir, I lost him. Can't you make another? No, sir. Well, I could, but I haven't got the heart for it. What do you mean? Well, sir, you know when you create someone and you nurture them, they grow. Well, there comes a time when they have to lead their own life. Or die their own death. And now your friend is gone forever? Oh, no, sir. No. I'll always keep him right here. <clears throat> Till next week, sir. I know.